Today we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 15. As we continue our way through the, the scriptures and there's a possibility maybe when we hit chapter 16 we're going to go faster. But you know, uh, Proverbs, they are the, 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 the book of wisdom. God wants to teach us the skill of living life successfully. You got all these guys and the crazy scandalous things that they end up involved in. And sometimes even they call themselves Christians, but they end up living a foolish life. And you, you see what happens to them because they lack the, the things that Proverbs teaches. And so, you know, you have those that they're just, it's a fool life. F-O-O-L. What a fool you know, they used to go to church. They used to serve the Lord. They used to be right on, and then something happened. But then you also have those who, man, by the grace of God over the years, they study the scriptures, they have a heart that's open, and they live a full life, F-U-L-L, -L, a full life. This is what God had for you, and you fulfilled the, uh, the, the calling. Like Paul said, I have finished the race. That's what we desire. And I believe that as we're in the word and he strengthens us, then God does that work. Now, as we get into the Proverbs, you know, it's really practical, but you will never understand it unless you're born again. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, your sins have separated you from him. And you, maybe you're watching right now and you're not really a Christian. Jesus is calling you right now and he says, listen, I love you. I'm willing to wash away your sins and forgive you. I died on a cross. When I died on that cross, I died for you. I rose again three days later. All you have to do right now is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, whoever calls on the Lord will be saved. And maybe there's someone right now who's not really a Christian. You need to do that. You need to rip open your heart. You need to say, God, come into my life. I need you. And once God comes into your life, you're born again, and then you're able to understand the scriptures. And there's some of us here, I think, even uh, in church, and it's commendable that you guys would come out on a midweek service, you know, because a lot of people don't. But even some that, that might be watching or some that are here tonight, that at the end of the day, you need a new beginning. You need a touch of the Holy Spirit. If you were honest, and why, we, we have to be honest. We, have to, we can't come here and not be honest. If you're honest, you're like, man, I need a new beginning. I need the Holy Spirit to, to, to come and touch me. The same God that, that spoke the stars into existence, that same God lives inside of you if you're a Christian. And so we should be living victorious Christian lives. Sin has no dominion over us. The devil, he's no match for God. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 4, greater is he who is in us than he who is in this world. You know, so we're no match for the devil, but the devil's no match for God. And so if you're here and you need a new beginning right now in your heart, you talk to the Lord and you say, Lord, as I get started with this Bible study today, Lord, I pray you help me. I pray that you speak to me. I pray that I would listen. I pray that you'd open my heart. I pray, Lord, that you would tell me something that I need to hear in order for me to have a new beginning because I want to be that man of God that you called me to be. And it doesn't matter how old you are. Maybe you're young. God can get a hold of any, any age, any person. Maybe you're old and you feel like, well, I've already lived my years. Mo Moses was 80 years old when God called him to lead the children, to set them free. You're not too old. You're not too young. You're not too bad. God can forgive any sin. God took Paul, the Saul of Tarsus, who was the murderer and persecutor of the church. God took him and used him as the great apostle to reach so many people. It doesn't matter who you are. You don't have to look back. You just got to look up and you got to look forward to what God wants to do. And so I pray, you guys, that we are not just here going through our Thursday routine or rut or religious thing, 
but that we are here to seek the Lord. And so his word builds us up. And I don't know about you, but me growing up, I had no common sense and no direction whatsoever from a father. I didn't have that in my life. But now we have a father who speaks to us these words of wisdom. And he says, listen, uh, Manny, listen, knucklehead. Look at verse 18. A wrathful man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger allays contention. And so, you know, it's, sometimes it's good to be slow at certain things. It's, slow, it's good to be slow in getting angry. It really is. You know, what we see right here is this uh, hot-tempered person, man. It just adds fuel to the fire. Now, some, they make that excuse, what's in my blood, bro? I'm hot-tempered. I can't help it. I'm different. You know, some of you guys here, yeah, if we were to talk, you'd say, well, I tend to get angrier easier than others. That's just the way it is. This is the way that I am. But, you know, the Bible says in James 1, 19 through 20, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So, you know, when you get angry, the, the wrath of man, you might beat somebody up, or you might beat your child down with your wrath and your anger and your bullying tendencies, but it doesn't do anything good in the kingdom of God. The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And so, you know, that, that's something I think we can really relate to. I think that that's why it's talked about so much in the Proverbs, because someone disrespects you. Someone comes against you. Someone says something to you. Someone gives you an attitude. Sometimes it's your spouse. Sometimes it's your child. Sometimes it's somebody that you work with. It could be somebody on the street. And the next thing you know, you're adding fuel to that fire. Now, the Bible says, He who is slow to anger allays contention. And the word allays, it means to diminish or put it to rest. And so some of you here, the devil might try to take you down through your temper. Remember, anger, you just add one letter to it, the word D, and it becomes danger. And there are guys that are, that are locked up. There are guys in county jail. There are guys that are in prison. There are guys that are divorced. There are guys that are murderers. It happens to gals as well. They lose relationships. So many things can happen when we don't ask God to give us that spirit of self-control. And so we have to be slow to anger. Sometimes it's good to be angry uh, at certain things that are going on in the world. But you have to make sure you're angry for the right reasons and in the right way. Verse 19, it says, The way of the lazy man is like a hedge of thorns, but the way of the upright is a highway. And so the, the, the lazy man or the sluggard, it says, is, is blocked with thorns, the way of that man. And basically what we see here is that the path of the life of the lazy man has many obstacles that either hurt him or stop him. You know, imagine you're trying to go forward in life. Imagine you're trying to be success in life. Imagine you're trying to follow the Lord in life, but you're lazy. And so basically what the proverb says is that you're trying to make progress, but you run into a hedge. And you're going to get all hurt and scratched up and bloody and probably won't even get past it. But, but the way of the upright, the Bible says, is like a highway. And so when you're living that life of righteousness and love with the Lord, then, man, it's so cool how you make progress, how you go through. The upright, they, they're like the, the ones traveling an open highway. It's clear sailing, and they will go far when you live that life. 
Verse uh, 20, it says, A wise son makes a father glad, but a foolish man despises his mother. And so, uh, you guys know uh, this, 3 John 1, 4, we talk about it frequently. Paul, I mean, John said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Uh, you want to make dad glad, then it's not about being wealthy. It's about being wise. It's, it's called spiritual wisdom. You know, when your children are born, it's great joy. I mean, it's joy, huh, when your children are born. But wouldn't you say it's an infinite amount of more joy when they're born again? You know, and then you got a son or a daughter that is not only born again, but they're wise. And so here's the thing, okay? Um, you, you could look at this verse and you can say, well, it's trying to uh, just make a statement of fact that happy parents are happy when their children serve the Lord, and that's true. You could read this verse right here, and you can say, well, it's talking to my kids. Hey, mijo, mija, you want to make dad glad? Then, you know, serve the Lord. But I think there's also something else woven into this verse. It's talking about being good parents. It's talking about praying for your kids. It's talking about being an example to your kids so that your kids would serve the Lord. Now, of course, every child has to make their own choice. You could be the best parents in the world. doesn't automatically guarantee that they're going to serve the Lord. But at the same time, if we're not really taking this seriously as parents, realizing we only have a certain amount of years to try to be an example to them, to try to point them to Christ, then we're going to suffer as a result of that. Because it talks about the, the son here, uh, why son makes a father glad, but then it says a foolish man despises his mother. Now he's all grown up. Your, your son is all grown up. Now he's a man. And he, he doesn't even serve the Lord. He despises his mom. The word right there in the Latin, it comes from two works that mean, words that means to look down on. And so, uh, again, lessons on, on parenting, lessons on life, lessons on being a, a, a child. Verse 21, it says, Folly is joy to him who is destitute of discernment, but a man of understanding walks uprightly. And so a folly or, or a lack of spiritual sense, it, 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 what we see right here, it brings joy to no one who has no, no sense, right? I mean, this is an individual who is destitute of discernment. The Hebrew word translated destitute, it literally talks about the heart. And it says this person who has fun as a fool, grinning as they're sinning, they don't even have a heart. And you guys know the crazy crimes, right, that are out there? Uh, I was thinking about um, myself, and I'm probably not as bad as some of you guys out there, I think. <laughs> when you, before you were Christians, man. But man, I did some dumb things, dumb things. I told you guys about some of my crazy uh, escapades, uh, stealing stop signs. Um, uh, I remember uh, one time getting into my, my, I wasn't even old enough to drive, and I got into my, my aunt's Nova, which, you know, Novas are pretty cool cars to drive. And I remember I was with my friend, and I just said, you know what, we're just going to keep driving, and we're not going to stop. We're, we're, not, we're just going to run all the, stop, all the stop signs, all the lights, and and. You know, I could have killed somebody. I, I definitely should have died in one sense. But, you know, the one who's destitute of discernment, I mean, you know, to him, 
that individual is not going to have that that joy. We're going to see later they have fun sinning. But the one who who walks uprightly is a man of understanding. A, a man or woman like Christ, they don't walk like a beast on all fours. They walk uprightly. They walk with Christ and they walk like Christ. Verse 22, it says, Without counsel, plans go awry, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. And so that, that word awry, it, it's from uh, the word appropriate or, or planned or expected course amiss. And what ends up happening is when we don't have the counsel, then the things that are appropriate, the things that are planned, the things that are expected for our lives, we're going to miss out. We're going to go off track. We're going to go off course. We may even miss out on God's plans for our lives. But in a multitude of counselors, there's this spiritual success. And so I want to encourage you guys, and as I read this, I'm always talking to myself as well, to, to be wise, not only in the decisions we make, but even in the Christians we ask wisdom or counsel from. We're bouncing things off of people while making those decisions, you know, you're, you're really taking it to people. You know, I have my wife who I talk to. I, I even have my children who are older now, and they give me good counsel because they know the word and they know me. I also have friends. I have pastors here at Calvary Chapel El Monte. I have other Calvary pastors, and we talk about what's going on in the world, what's the Lord showing us individually. And, and in, the, in the midst of that life, that, that when, when there's a multitude of Christian godly counselors, then what we see right here is there is success and there is safety. We see the same thing in Proverbs 11, verse 14, and Proverbs 24, in, in verse 5. That's how important it is. It's repeated over and over again. Uh, verse 23, it says, A man has joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, how good it is. And so uh, we want joy, right? We want joy. Then we really have to watch the words that we speak. The right response at the right time is both joyful and good. It says right here, a word spoken in due season. Have we learned the importance of timing in our talk? You know, probably uh, not a good time to talk when your husband or your wife is tired or when your teenager just woke up. Uh, probably not, you know, when you're upset or angry or hurt. In such cases, it's probably better to talk to God first, right? As a matter of fact, that that's really the most important thing about timing. It's when God says it's time. Because when we speak that word, and that word may have been correct, but it just wasn't the right time. It wasn't the due season, so to speak. Then we can really mess things up. It's possible to be premature and therefore ineffective or destructive or too late. And then it's really, really crazy. You know, I pray that we would always ask the Lord, you know, to, to be the Lord of our mouth. I was thinking about the Lord Jesus. And I want to encourage you when you get a chance, you read the Gospel of John. And it's everything he said, everything he said, and every time he said it. It was all yielded to his father. And so we see right here that when we're, when we're obedient to, to the Lord, then there's joy. There's joy. 
but but when we're not, there's going to be problems. Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 1, it says, To everything there is a season, a time for every person under heaven. You know, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 7 says there's a time to keep silence and a time to speak. You know, you can ask the question or give the answer or say the same thing in the same way. But if it's the wrong season, then there won't be joy and it won't be good. And, you know, sometimes you might assume that it's, you know, I'm going to deal with it right now. But it might not be wise. You know, I was thinking about what happened with David and Nathan and how David, you know, I know the story there in, in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 11 and how, you know, he fell with Bathsheba and he fell into sexual sin and then he got her pregnant. And then what did he do? You know, he brought Uriah home because he said, I know I'll just, you know, find a way to get out of it. And he'll think that it's his child. And Uriah was such a godly man. And he said, no, I wouldn't dare sleep with my wife. I wouldn't dare uh, have sex with her. You know, until, um, you know, the soldiers are back. There's Joab out there and he's working and he's serving and he's fighting. And so David found out that Uriah was a much better man than him. And so what David did is he sent Uriah back to Joab with his own death sentence. And in essence, David not only committed adultery, but David killed Uriah, this godly man. And then after, you know, Uriah had died, David, like, tried to make himself look good. He told, like, kind of like the whole kingdom, well, I'll take care of her. You know, you can come, and, and I'll take care of you, and I'll take care of your child. And who knows? Maybe a lot of people were saying, oh, David, he's such a great guy. Such a great guy. But what a hypocrite. What a horrible thing that he did. And this is David, you know? But what ends up happening is, you know, Nathan, who's a prophet of God, you know, that was David's friend. And, and you would figure that right away, you know, Nathan would, would be, you know, sent by God to rebuke David for his sin. But, but it wasn't until, man, way later. We're talking, some people believe it was 11 months later that Nathan came. And he came with a story, remember, of the, of the little sheep, the little lamb, and, you know, he kind of set David up with the story, you might remember. And then when David said, well, that man should die, Nathan said, you're the man. And that's why it is so important that we don't just shoot from the hips, that we don't just say whatever we want. Well, I tell it like it is, and I just speak my mind. Christians shouldn't be doing that. Christians should be asking God, Lord, what do you want me to say? And when do you want me to say it? Because this tongue, this tongue is deadly. This tongue is divisive. This, this tongue can be set on fire from hell. And so, Lord, help me because this tongue is dangerous. And that's why we read right here, a, a man has joy by the answer of his mouth. And a word spoken in due season, how good it is. Verse 24, it says, The way of life winds upward for the wise, that he may turn away from hell below. And so what we find as a Christian is that we should be growing up spiritually. And growing up spiritually is good. You know, the longer we walk with Jesus, the more we should be like him. The closer we should be to him. In one sense, uh, creating a greater distance each day from hell 
You know, uh, there's another proverb that says the path of the just is like the shining br- sun that shines brighter and brighter and brighter. That should be our, our walk as Christians. It should be brighter brighter, farther and farther from hell. You know, I remember going to the Grand Canyon, and you look at the edge right there. And, you know, some people, unfortunately, they get close to the edge. But when you're walking with the Lord, you get farther and farther. Hell's a real place. It's a real place. And you have to be careful that you don't play games with God, that you don't fall off the edge. We should be growing up farther and farther from the ways of hell. Verse 25, it says, The Lord will destroy the house of the proud, but he will establish the boundary of the widow. And you guys know how the longer we linger in the scriptures, the more we realize that God has a special place in his heart for orphans and widows. And the longer we linger in the scriptures, the more we realize how much he hates pride. And the widow he's going to take care of, but the prideful person he will destroy. And when I read this proverb, to be honest, it makes me want to check my heart for pride. Lord, uh, please um, humble me. It also makes me search my heart to remember that, you know, if these people are important to him, then they should be important to me. The widows. And you read First Timothy chapter 5, and it talks about the, the widows, and it even blesses the church with the real widows, those who are washing the saints' feet. You know, those who are godly in the church, those who are praying in the church. Now, all widows deserve our help, but praise God for those widows who are godly and blessings to the church. Uh, I remember there was this one widow, I think her name was Anna. Her husband died when she was very young, and man, for decades, this widow served the Lord in fastings and prayer, and she was allowed to see Jesus. You know, but they're important. And so maybe you can take a moment and think of, of a widow who's close to you or a widow, somebody that you know that the Lord brings into your life that needs help or an orphan, one that doesn't have a dad. Maybe you can be that role model to them. Maybe you can be that encouragement to them. You know, James chapter 1, verse 27, it says, Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. And so you find out where that widow is, that orphan is, the one who's in trouble. And the Bible says, go visit them. And of course, visiting them, it's not just going and hanging out. It's like, how can I help? And we see that a lot in the scriptures. Verse 26, it says, The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but the words of the pure are pleasant. And so it's kind of a scary thing to realize that God knows, He sees, He's aware of all our thoughts. Can you imagine the thoughts of the wicked? Those who don't care about others? Those who think they can think anything in their minds and it's not going to be a problem. They have dirty daydreams, fallen fantasies. Those people who think they can think whatever they want and they don't realize that God sees it all. That's why the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. If you have thoughts that are not right, you got to give them to God. Don't dwell on things in your mind because that right there 
It's where everything starts. You know, it goes from the heart to the mind, the mind to the heart. You know, you sow a thought, you reap an action, you sow an action, you reap a habit, you sow a habit, you reap a, a character, and you sow a character, and you reap a destiny. How did that pornography begin? How did that adultery begin? How did that alcoholism or drug addiction or violence begin? It began with a thought that we did not yield to the Lord. And those thoughts, the Bible says, are an abomination to the Lord. And so we have to clean our mind. We have to weed out wickedness. Don't allow any of those lusts to linger because it's an abomination to God. But the blessing to God, it says right here, uh, are the words of the pure. They are pleasant to him. And I've been just learning more and more in my life that my number one goal, my number one goal is to please God. That's what I want to do. I just want to please God. Verse 27 says, He who is greedy for gain troubles his own house, but he who hates bribes will live. And so living in America, I tell you what, this can be a, a struggle for us. You know, we just want more money because we want more stuff. And what ends up happening right here is when you're greedy for gain, it says it troubles your, your house. And it's not talking about your physical house. It's talking about your family. Your family. And I, and I wish that people in the church, and I just wish even people in the world, would understand the priority of their family. Fathers, don't forget your children. Don't be a deadbeat dad. Don't you know, neglect them because you're out there working so much. You know, if you're greedy for gain, you're going to trouble your own house. Your marriage will suffer. Your children, sometimes grandchildren. And so what, one of the, the three things they say that will destroy a man are girls, pride, and money. You know, because you got these pastors, and a lot of them fall into sexual sin. And, and you got these guys, and they steal from the church. And you got these guys, and the pride is there, right? And it messes them up. And so I'll always pray, Lord, uh, humble me. Give me humility. Number two, give me purity. Lord, give me purity. And then number three, make me content with the things that I have. I'll tell you what, I have whosoever shirts. I like these whosoever shirts, you know, partly because we get to support the movement, but um, also, you know, because they're cool. Huh, don't you think? No, I'm just joking. Anyways, <laughs> my favorite shirts, though, my favorite shirts are the 399 Old Navy shirts. I have three different colors. I have four of them. I wear them I, I mean, like clockwork, man. And I'm not saying I've arrived in this area, but, man, the whole contentment thing. You know, a lot of times people want to build bigger barns because they got a whole bunch of stuff. And God is just saying, hey, get rid of your stuff. Travel light. You know, one thing I've learned, sometimes people start making more money and they start getting more stuff. And God says, hey, I didn't give you more money for that. If I increase your standard of, 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 of uh, earning, then I want to increase your standard of giving, not just living. And so Achan was a man, you read his story in Joshua chapter uh, 7, is such a horrible story. You guys remember, he when they went in and conquered Jericho, he stole some 
some, you know, a wedge of gold and Babylonian garments and things like that. And he hid it under his tent. And then what ended up happening was the whole nation was defeated because of Achan's sin. You one person's sin can affect the whole church. That's why we have to have a heart for holiness. So Achan's sin caused the whole nation to get defeated. And so Joshua fell on his face. He said, Lord, what's the problem? I can't believe we don't have the victory. We should have the victory. This is our land. And what ended up happening was the Lord told Joshua, and he said, you need to get up, and you need to figure out who this is, who's messed us up. And what ended up happening is they found out it was Achan. And, you know, Joshua told Achan, confess your sin. What did you do? And Achan told him what he did. And Joshua came out and he says, you troubled Israel. Now the Lord's going to trouble you. And God, it, it took Achan and his whole family. And they stoned him to death, the whole family. Now you might wonder, well, why the whole family? Well, more than likely what happened was when they brought the stuff home, the family started getting involved. Hey, yeah, dad, that's pretty cool. I like that gold. And, you know, because the, the, the dad, he'll lead the family. And he led them to their destruction. And that's why we have to be content. Hebrews thirteen five it says, Be content with such things as you have. For he himself, that's Jesus, he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And like we sang earlier today, Jesus is enough. He's all we need. Verse 26, it says, the, the, verse 28, The heart of the righteous studies how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours forth evil. And so the heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking the mouth of the wicked overflows with evil words. And we've kind of talked about this already. Um, Proverbs twenty nine twenty it says, Do you see a man hasty in his words? There's more hope for a fool than for him. And so I would say this, uh, think before you speak. But it's interesting, the Hebrew word right here translated studies, it actually is also translated meditated, meditates. And so sometimes what we'll do is we'll actually study like how to answer. Like if they ask me, why are you a Christian? Or if they ask me, how do you know the Bible's God's word? Or if they ask me questions, I'll have studied and then I'll be able to give them a solid answer. What time is it? So we started at 630, right? Okay. Verse 29, the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. You know, Psalm 145.18, it says something similar. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. And so the key here, obviously, is to, to be righteous. Now, as I mentioned earlier, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, when you become a Christian, you have what's called the imputed righteousness. And so you're forgiven, you're free, you're as white as snow, you're covered with the righteousness of Christ. But I also believe, and as I read my Bible, I think that you have to also have, you know, the imparted righteousness. And that is, I think to whom much is given, much more is required. The longer you've been a Christian, really, the more like Christ you should be. And I believe that there is a connection between us living a sincere, genuine, loving, holy life and answered prayers. You know, it's interesting when you read the, the book of James. I, I want you guys to turn there real quick. 
if you would turn to James chapter 5. Look what it says in verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And so he's talking about people that are hurting, people that are sick, um, people that are suffering. And he's just talking about how when the church, we just pray for each other. And how we how we need to confess our sins because sometimes those sins, those trespasses, that's what's the root for the, 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 the illness or the situation that we're in. And it's in that context where he's telling the church to be holy, to confess, to repent of their sins. It's in that context where God says the effective, fervent prayers of a righteous man avail much. He says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. And so, again, man, God is so good. I, I know as a, if you're a new Christian, you know, yesterday, he forgives you, he makes you righteous. But I also think, that in that grace, it's a grace not only to forgive us of our sins, but to change us and to make us more like Jesus. And when we get that Im 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 imparted righteousness, when we live that life of holiness, then I think there's going to be, man, some oomph to our prayers. You know, the Bible talks about how in Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, how the reason why God wasn't answering the prayers of Israel was because of their sin. And the Bible says that if you harbor iniquity in your heart, then he won't hear you. And that's why we have to come clean. The Bible even says that we are to forgive others of, our, of their trespasses against us so that God can forgive us of our sins. And so we really have to make sure that we're right in these areas. Verse 30, it says, The light of the eyes rejoices the heart, and a good report makes the bones healthy. And so, I was going to tell you guys earlier, I forgot to tell you, if you want to lower your masks, you can, unless you're coughing. <laughs> you know, but I was going to mention this about the masks, that, you know, uh, we can only handle this for so long, right? Because we need to see your smiles. But, so, but I will say this, though, that I've been looking in people's eyes more. And sometimes you can just see the love of God in someone's eyes. You can see it in their eyes. And that's what he says right here. It's the light of the eyes that rejoices the heart. And a, and a good report makes the bones healthy. And so this case right here, you might see someone, they're coming to you, their eyes of love, and they have a good word, and it just brings joy to the heart, and it even makes your bones 
uh, feel good. And when you read that in the, in the Old Testament, you read that in the scriptures, this is talking about to the core of who you are. And so, um, you know, it's cool when we have that, that look. And Chuck Smith, when I would listen to his studies or watch the videos, you could see that love even in his eyes, even in his smile. Verse 31, it says, The ear that hears the rebukes of life will abide among the wise. And so, you guys, huh, we study this every single week, man. You know, the guy that listens to the rebukes is going to be wise. Um, how many of you here, just out of curiosity, want to be rebuked? <laughs> I mean, you're, you know, if you were right in the Proverbs, you would say, you know what, I want to. I want to be rebuked because that's what he says. Imagine if you're only surrounded by people who are afraid to tell you the truth and you never get any constructive criticism, no correction whatsoever, even though you need it desperately because you're living dangerously. I mean, there are some people, they want to live in that type of bubble. They want that, but man, it's not good for you. You know, if you're never rebuked, then you're living in a toxic atmosphere, really. We should want to hear the truth, even if it hurts, even if it cuts. You know, I love what Spurgeon said. And man, I had this note on my computer for, for about a year. That's how much I love this quote. Listen to what it says. It says, get a friend to tell you your faults, or better still, welcome an enemy who will watch you keenly and sting you savagely. What a blessing such an irritating critic will be to a wise man. What an intolerable nuisance to a fool. Imagine that. You know, you, get a, you appreciate a friend who rebukes you. And better yet, get an enemy in your life who will, will savagely sting you and they watch you and they're there, you know, to, to bring up your every error. And Spurgeon said that if you're, you're wise, you'll appreciate it. If there's any truth to it, thank you for letting me know. But if you're foolish, you know, you'll despise it, you'll hate it. Why? Because it's the pride in us. Verse 32 says, He who disdains instruction despises his own soul, but he who heeds rebuke gets understanding. And it's very similar to verse 31 that we just read. The primary distinction, however, is correction as opposed to instruction. And in verse 32, he's talking about instruction. In one sense, rebuke is telling me what's wrong, and instruction is teaching me what's right. He who disdains instruction despises his own soul. And the word here, it, it means that you don't even respect your own soul. You know, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And so doctrine tells us what is right. Reproof tells us what is not right. Correction tells us how to get right. And instruction tells us how to stay right. Verse 33, it says, The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. How many of you here fear the Lord? Raise your hand if you fear the Lord, man. And it's a, a prayerfully, it's a good, healthy fear that he will give you a trancaso if you get off track. 
for sure, you know? And it's a good thing. Why? Because he loves us. Right here it says, The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. And so one translation says, Wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord. And so, you know, you're, you're hearing the wisdom, Hey, man, you fear the Lord. Hey, you should fear the Lord. Hey, you should fear the Lord, you know? But, but another translation puts it this way, that the fear of the Lord teaches wisdom. And in that translation, it's kind of the other way around, that if we begin there, and we have seen that in the Proverbs, if we begin with the fear of the Lord, if we begin with the fact, and you might be out there, someone might be out there, there is a hell. God is a holy God. There's a heaven, there's a hell. You only end up in one place, and you can't straddle the fence. Jesus said, if you're not for me, you're against me. Jesus said, if you're lukewarm, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. We have to make sure that we know the Lord. You can't gamble with your eternity. So it begins there. It begins with the fear of the Lord. And when you have that healthy fear of the Lord, then you can then go forward, I believe, and grow in wisdom. You know, I'm not a perfect man by any means, you guys. I am not a perfect man, but I do fear the Lord. I do. I try not to look at any girl I shouldn't look at. You know, when I'm driving down the street and you see a girl jogging or whatever, for whatever reason, guys, they're just, well, I wonder if I know her. You know, they see whatever, you know, her sweatsuit and her ponytail, whatever it might be. And, you know, guys are like, well, I can take a look because, you know, no big deal, but... I don't know, I just, man, in my heart, I can't. I can't think bad things about people. I can't say bad things about people. I can't. Because I fear the Lord. And, I, and I'm afraid, not only that he'll discipline me, but he might even strip away a blessing that he had intended for me. And so that fear of the Lord, it says the beginning of wisdom, and when you have that, then you grow as a Christian. Fourteen times in the Proverbs, we read about the fear of the Lord. And so we see here the flip, the end of the verse, it says that before we're ever honorable, we got to be humble. Who are we apart from Christ, you guys? You know, we're nothing. We're, we're wicked, we're weak, we're wretched. I know who I am apart from Christ. I'm a loser with a capital L, and I'm, I know who I am apart from Christ. But in Christ, and being humble is just being honest. In Christ, I know I'm his son. I know I'm forgiven. I know I'm free. I know I'm headed for heaven. And if he opens doors for me to serve him, praise God, I'll go through those doors. But it has nothing to do with anything that I bring to the table. No righteousness of my own. And so um, I pray that we would have that humility, that we would serve the Lord with joy. You guys, I pray that you would draw near to him and that you would just be filled with the Holy Spirit. I pray that if you're fasting, that you would fast unto the Lord and you watch what God will do in your families and in the church, in our world, in our community. God's good. And if you're here and you want a new start, Maybe you need a new start. Maybe, you know, if you're honest, then and why would we not be honest? If you're here and you need a new start, just pray right now that the Lord would give you that. Someone once said that a Christian life, the Christian life is simply a series of new beginnings.